Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Hope you're having a great week. Remember, we are centering self-care, joy and pleasure, and rest every single day. It's how we're going to keep our mental health intact. It's also how we're going to build resilience and um, also just really checking in on the balance of our lives. If we don't have time to build those things in, our lives are out of whack, off kilter. Work is important, but I want us to be centering our mental health as well. And again, that's going to be doing self-care, finding joy and pleasure, creating joy and pleasure, doing things that only bring us joy and pleasure that aren't necessarily productive, and then also resting. And then those three things aren't tied to an outcome or a goal or being productive. It's just about being. It's about healing. It's about resting. It's about soothing our nervous system, giving our brains a rest. All those things do fall under mindfulness and meditation, putting us back in our bodies. So way in on, uh, you know, every day you want to be doing that and then you want to be kind of building it in. Question of the night, it's up on our Loveline IG page. So way in on that, we'll be breaking that on down later in the show and we'll be joined next by licensed therapist, Rebecca Ashida, doing some couples therapy. And then later in the show, we got our good old couch potato, Ron Robbins back with us, giving us a little update on some television watching. You know, we're all about the social justice, feminist and LGBTQIA focused sex pause media. And he's gonna tell us about what we should be watching. Helps me, cause I'm kind of, checked out of that part of pop culture, don't have television, I watch everything streaming, so it's really specific and targeted what I watch. Trust me, it's a it's a rock. I live under a rock in those ways. A drag race star named Britta deactivates her social media account based on bullying. Y'all, that is a competition show. It is supposed to be art, it is supposed to be fun, it is supposed to be in, you know, inspiring, but it shouldn't be weaponized. So if you don't like the way someone uh, participated, you know, you can critically engaged, crit- excuse me, critically engage, you can critique, you can weigh in, but we shouldn't target an attack. And I get that myself. I'll post an article, I'll share a thought, and I'm always open to hearing someone say, hey, I always heard it was this, or this was my thought or experience. But the minute you start attacking, name calling, mocking credentials, calling people stupid, all these things, you've stepped outside of intelligence and mental health and you've now, again, brought violence. And I know personally when those people start, I block, I delete, I won't engage that. Um, No one, you know, our social medias aren't us giving people violent access to us. So you know someone's in their integrity and in their mental health when they're just saying, you know, here's how I think, this is what I feel, and it becomes a debate or a critique or a conversation, that's one thing. But when you start attacking 
it's not cool and it's not okay. So anyway, I'm really sorry that that happened. We got to get better about stuff like that. There's, you know, a real severe misuse of social media in that way. And I know, again, I've set new policies for myself. If I don't even know the person and they've never been around on my page engaging, I feel less like I need to have to engage them. You know, it is real. It does count. And people will say that with dating apps or social media. It doesn't count. It's just Instagram. Nope. It's people. Our mental health is intertwined in that. Yep, everything you say and do impacts the person whose page you're on. It really does. And we do need to care. And I hold the same social values. If I don't know you and you pop on my page vomiting, you know, harshness all over, I'll bounce you. It's, it's not everyone has a right to have access to people's social media. We people like me lovingly share ourselves. I'm lovingly sharing information. That's what it's about. You know, and so it's it's a severe misuse, and it really bums me out, and it's still happening. So let's get better about that one. Also, we're talking about half masking. This is hilarious to me, and it increases coronavirus. So basically, half masking means wearing your mask below your nose, and that allows the coronavirus an opportunity to enter your body. So again, it's about everything else. You got to use them properly, right? Just like condoms. I also saw some funny examples about wearing a mask low and they were kind of a diagram of pants dropped low just showing you kind of how ridiculous it is so anyway look coronavirus is still real it's still going on handle that now we got a lot of people in the sports world uh the women's national basketball association what the uh WNBA they were uh um, wearing t-shirts also some soccer teams were delaying game playing and Naomi Osaka, who is the highest paid female athlete in history, which let's just sit with that for a second. When I saw that, I was like, oh, wow, she's protesting. And I love this. So there's been a wave of postponements in sports, right? And that's in response to the Jacob Blake shooting. And this is us basically saying, and the people that are protesting, look, take this seriously. Change is, has not arrived. Still more work to do. But the two-time Grand Slam champion made an empathetic statement by saying she wouldn't play her Thursday semifinal. This has already come and gone, but I wanted to bring the topic back up after the fact to just point out that there's still more, still more work that we have to do, still more focus that has to happen. And some cities and governors and, and uh, mayors are stepping up and they're defunding and they're reallocating that money to needed services, et cetera, et cetera. But I'm still seeing some really harsh vitriol posted on the pages of these sports teams and athletes themselves because some individuals bizarrely don't think that racism is real. And I've seen those, that's exact quotes. Really, really, really heartbreaking. Um, it is It is real. And uh, work still needs to be done. So I'm thankful to see the sports world, who has a lot of power and a lot of influence, kind of setting some boundaries and saying that we're not just going to progress on like it's business as usual and that we are going to hold people accountable and that things have consequences. And um, it's okay for athletes and musicians and artists to weigh in and to be political. We are all political. Everything has a political thread woven into it. And it's not just basketball. It's not just tennis. It's not just shut up and play. They're human beings and their thoughts and opinions and, and emotions matter. And they are part of culture and they are using their power and their platforms in a beautiful way that in the same way I want everyone to. So well done to all of you. Colin Kaepernick is like saying, yo, I've been trying to tell you all this for, for a while. I know change takes time, but you set the standard. All right, coming up next, we're going to be with licensed therapist, Rebecca Ishida talking about couples and relationships and marriage in the time of COVID. And then later we'll be talking about dun -da -da -da, things you should never say to your partner. Ah, yes, those little gems that cut, go deep, and they stick around. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, y'all, we're back. Rebecca Shida was not able to join us. She had to deal with something personal, but that's okay. We are going to do couples therapy anyway. So everything I talk about... Remember, the caveat's always that when we're going to talk about relational stuff, 
we are in this culture, again, where we do a lot of projection and we don't always sit and think about the internal experience of the other. <clears throat> Excuse me, again, my breathing is so funky. There's so much crap in the air right now here in LA. But, um, but hey, that's life, right? So um, a lot of the work is about everything I talk about, first applying it to self and saying, hmm, where might Dr. Chris be talking about me? Where might what we're talking about be indicating the work that I have to do as a partner, right? Because every relationship is a system and we're both inputting something. Regardless of who started it, you are always a contributing factor because you're being responded and engaged and your response is being then a creation of some kind of reaction. So you can change any relational system just by showing up differently. And as I tell all my patients, the work isn't a one-off. We have to do things new and differently repeatedly. Because whenever someone enters our lives, they start to build an associative understanding of who we are. And it takes time for them to have what they call a corrective experience. And that means a new experience of who we are. And that requires ongoing, better, or new behavior. So however you, however you want to be seen, you have to repeatedly engage in that new behavior so that people start to develop a new association. That new behavior has to be so consistent and so powerful that they see you as being that, that you've changed. But it takes time. And people that are, you know, in drug and alcohol recovery or any other kind of recovery from cheating, whatever it is, they know that. They know that uphill battle. And so always be really thoughtful about that. So this is always a conversation about us realizing more about ourselves, how it can be better for others, while also applying that lens to assess how others are in terms of their presence in our life. So let's go through some really problematic myths. The first one is that there's only one true love. I've bitched about this before where there was a professor and a meme that went around that said, you know, something about only one love in your life. That's not true. We love a multitude of people. We love them differently. I've said before, I love all my exes and I hope to continue to always love them. And as I fall in love with new people, I'm bringing more love into my life. It's more expansive. It doesn't, it's not a limited resource. So there's multiple people that you can live in your life, love in your life. Excuse me. There's not just one true love. And that's also going to shift and change. That's not always something that's a forever right? Because again, when we meet someone, they enter our lives at a certain point in a certain way. And sometimes that works because of the timing of their entrance, the way they entered, what's going on in our lives. It's very, very contextual. But know that just because someone has loved someone, that doesn't mean they're not going to love again. And just because you love one person in your life, that doesn't mean you can't love multiple people. We love multiple friends. We love multiple family members. We love multiple children. We can love multiple partners. It's really distracting and frustrating and disappointing when people say otherwise. So just be thoughtful about that. Also, the other myth is once you've found the perfect person, forever is guaranteed. Again, we meet people at a certain point in our lives based on who we are, who they are. Things change. The context of our lives based on age, employment, finances, pandemic, who's in our presidential administration, all these different factors will change who we are. Hopefully we're always changing. I say this all the time. I hope every year that I'm different than how I was the year before. That's a, that's a good sign. So just because you found someone who works now, that doesn't mean they're always going to work and that's okay, right? We hope and we work to always find these places where intersections can occur of compatibility of chemistry. But that's not necessarily something that operates on its own. Remember, relationshiping is a verb. We relationship. It's not something we have. It's like a plant. Once we get it, the work isn't done. We have to keep assessing its health, its light. Does it need water, right? Relationships are a verb. So if you're not constantly focusing on it or doing an input on it, then it's just something that you're left leaving sitting there. So ask yourself that as a partner. When's the last time I was relationshiping? Do I think that just because I text them sometimes or they're sitting over there or we share a home or a bed or a child? 
that were, were doing our work that because I focus all day on work or the child that my relationship should just on its own be on autopilot. No, it needs care and attention too, just like your relationship to your child or your family members. So remember just because you, they're your partner, you're monogamous, you're married, you own a home, you have kids. That doesn't mean the work is done. Remember the courtship cycle is a cycle and we should always be in it. We should always be attracting them, romancing them. But some people think a relationship is checking off the boxes of the milestones and thinking that everything then is done and it's not. And that's a problem. People think that the work is about just getting them. Once I have them, they're my boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife, that I'm done. I can worry about other things. No, it's an ongoing cycle. Always attract them. Always flirt with them. Always romanticize them. Always try to center them. It's an ongoing thing. And that's why I say we have multiple identities and you have to engage in all of them. If you want your friendships to survive, you have to engage the friendships. They don't exist on their own. So you should be putting time into being a friend, put time into being a partner, put some time into being a parent, put some time into being a family member. And that's why our lives should grow as we bring someone into it. Because Tuesday night might be friends night where you say to your partner, babe, I'll see you later. I'll see you tomorrow. And you go out with your friends and they leave you be. And the next night's date night. And we have that planned. We know we're going to see them. And the day after that, maybe it's family time. Maybe your partner comes, maybe they don't, but our world is bigger. It's better. So really be thoughtful about the relationships that shrink your life down and remove some of those identities or being in relationships with partners that problematize or shame you for wanting to participate in all those different pieces. That's healthy. That's acceptable. Be very wary of creating a relationship where you don't let your partner have all these other things active in their lives. If you're trying to limit them and you don't want them to be spending time with their family and friends, that's a toxic relationship and that falls under emotional abuse. So be very thoughtful about not creating that or not allowing that. A lot of these toxic formations begin early in the relationship. So early when dating, don't give anyone or expect anyone to give you all of their time. They should still be spending time with others. And so you shouldn't see them all the time and you shouldn't expect to be present all the time. They're allowed to have friendships that don't include you time with their family members that don't include you, but try to build that in from the door. And by building that in from the beginning, you also assess how healthy they are. If they give you a lot of pressure and shame you for not seeing them all the time every day, if they give you shame or pressure, or you are more importantly pressuring or shaming them for taking time away from you to see friends, family members, to go to the gym, to go to an AA meeting, to go to therapy, to spend time alone, to want to just go to the beach on their own for the day, you're not being a good partner. So build that in from the beginning. That's how you make sure you're a good partner. And that's how you assess whether or not they're going to be. So we're going to come back and finish the rest of this. This is relational myths, but this is about you assessing yourself so you are good for others, but also assessing how good they are for you. And it's never too late. If you're hearing these things and you're like, I want this, build it from the beginning. But if you already haven't, you can sit down and tell your partner, I want to start building this in. Because again, remember, if our lie, if we're sucking the energy out of each other, it's not going to feel good. All right, we'll be back. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, we're back and we're talking about relational myths. And that's because a lot of the things that, you know, we believe, we've been told, we've bought into just aren't necessarily the best for us. They're not sustainable. They're not necessarily going to give us the best or the, you know, from ourselves or from our partner. And I hear some of the same things getting passed around all the time. So we're kind of busting down some of the myths and really getting some truths. But as I said, this is really first about you assessing yourself. What kind of partner am I being, right? Because you don't want to create the kind of relationship where you're being emotionally abusive or toxic or just not you know, enhancing to this other that you have in your life. But it's also about assessing how they're impacting you too. So we're looking at self and we're looking at other. So we're on the next one. This one is sexual chemistry is a must for a relationship to succeed. So this is a really complex one. I value people being in relationships that have sexual chemistry and compatibility. If you wanna be monogamous, it's mandatory. 
If you want to be in a monogamous relationship, you need to have sexual chemistry and compatibility. Otherwise, good luck. It's going to be very tough. I, as a sex therapist, can help enhance what's already there, but I can't create chemistry if it doesn't exist. So whatever level of chemistry you have, we can make it a little more fun, a little more arousing, a little more explorative, but that's still the base core of it. And so please have sex early on in the relationship, have affection, have sex, have eroticism to see if the compatibility and chemistry is there. Because if it isn't, you're going to have a lot of problems. You're going to be missing that magnetism. You're going to be missing that passion. And it leads to a lot of problems. And it also is a missing bridge to connection, depth, and intimacy. Sex is a really beautiful, powerful thing. And so again, explore that. Really take time and explore that. So can couples, though, have a relationship that's built more in a friend style? Sure. Absolutely. If they both have that kind of need sexually, some people are more asexual or lower sexual, and that works where sex isn't a priority and their intimacy is so powerful on other levels all as well. But if one or both partners are hypersexual, have a higher sex drive, or see sex like I do as a really powerful transformative thing, as an access to self-care and pleasure, then yes, you're going to have some relational issues and sexual chemistry is an absolute must. I see too many relationships that are suffering because they're missing that bridge, that level and access to fun and connectivity. Also, another one is forgive and forget is the best way to get past difficulties. Well, again, yes and no. I like people that skew more forgiving. I don't think holding on resentments is really a healthy thing, but there are some things that we shouldn't get rid of or move past. So again, we want to make sure as long as our partner's open to change and being better, then I'm comfortable with people letting go of things. But if our partner isn't and they're not willing to be self-aware, self-reflective, they're not willing to have conversations where you reflect back what it's like to be with them and maybe some changes you might require, then you can't let things go because they just build up and accumulate, right? But if, an, a part, if a partner's willing to apologize, which means they acknowledge they're sorry and it's heartfelt, they're willing to take accountability that they did something wrong and they're willing to share and talk about and actually do and take action on the changes to make sure it won't happen again, then they're safe, right? That's all I want is us to be in relationships where they'll listen us. We can influence them and they'll say, yeah, you're right. I want to be better. Bam. That's safe. Forgive and let go. But if you're with someone who's never willing to hear criticism and isn't willing to make changes and says, I'm the way I am, or this is just how I am, or you knew who I was, then you're not in a relationship that's very toxic. We all need to grow. We all need to be willing to get feedback and hear how we're impacting someone. Then you can forgive. And if you have a larger issue, it's actually a very problematic and toxic relationship. Uh, next one, it's always better to solve a problem right away. That's a myth. I say to people, go to bed angry. Some people say, don't never go to bed angry. Yeah, I think you should. If you're overwhelmed and you're flooded and you're thinking, wow, I'm not going to be proud of how I'm speaking or the way I'm speaking to my partner, feeling about them, I don't feel okay about, keep your mouth closed, go to bed. In the morning, you will feel better. You might even not care anymore, but to just battle it out for the sake of, we don't want to go to bed angry or battling it out for the sake of, I just need to deal with this now. You'll say things that you can't take back and you'll create wounds that can't be healed sometimes. So when you're feeling overwhelmed and flooded, when you're feeling dysregulated, close your mouth and step away. Always. I never advocate for just standing there and battling it out because we need to just get this. No, Part of a relationship means we're going to come back to things. Maybe it'll take us a year to work through something because we prioritize the safety of our relationship. And a healthy partner will say, wow, I don't feel comfortable with the way I'm talking about you or the way I might talk to you or about you. So I'm going to step away and we'll come back to this. And we have to be willing to come back to things. I'm not saying we ignore it. I'm not saying we sweep it under the carpet. But we have to be willing to say, let's come back to this. Some couples only discuss certain issues in my office with my presence because they do require me to be there. And if that's what you need, that's what you need because your relationship is worth it. So is your mental health. And so don't battle things out just to battle them out. And sometimes, yes, go to bed, go to bed angry. And you sometimes won't even care in the morning. It don't do or have conversations while flooded. 
Um, bum, bada, bum. Next myth, don't try to change your partner. Well, it's yes and no to that, right? We do wanna to try to accept people for who they are. We do wanna allow them to be who they are, but we are allowed to reflect back and let someone know what it's like to be in a relationship with them and to see if they're open to changing within the context of who they are. I don't believe in fixer uppers or trying to shift who someone is. Find people you are compatible and have chemistry with. But within that context, yes, we should and be able to push and ask for change. And then finally, the myth, the right kind of love can conquer all. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> I'm not even sure what that means. So we're going to leave that one there. Coming up next, DMs. So question night, it's up on our Loveline IG page. Still time to weigh in on that. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, we're back. It's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. Sliding the DMs is brought to you by our friends at Trader Commons because it's a big old sexy world. We want you to explore the confidence. Here we go. Hey, Dr. Chris, my name is Robert. I've been listening to Loveline since you became the host because I read your book and I really enjoy your insight. Thank you, Robert. I'm hoping maybe you can help me on something a little more personal. I've been under a lot of stress lately and I can feel myself changing. I want a way to release my stress. I feel like sex more often would help, would help me, but my boyfriend thinks it will do the opposite and I need to address what's stressing me out head on instead of just not thinking about it. But why can't sex be my escape? It can. <laughs> it's the same thing with food. People think we're not allowed to use food. Uh, we were talking with Ryan Sheldon about this uh, yesterday's uh, show, so check that out too. But we were talking about how you're allowed to emotionally eat. Yep, you're allowed to use food to cope. Yep, you're allowed to come home after a rough day and grab a pint of ice cream and eat it. You are allowed to do that. You're allowed to use food to bring you joy. Just like you're allowed to use anything. Sex also counts. You're allowed to masturbate, have sex with your partner. You're allowed to use that to increase your mood, to increase your connection, to add pleasure and fun to your day. That is one of the most beautiful uses of sexuality is to add joy, dynamicism, pleasure and fun to our lives. Life is hard enough already. So no, sex won't stress you out more. And some stressors in our lives can't be changed or it's gonna be a slow work in progress. For most people, what stresses them out is their job and finances. And those things aren't things that we can immediately remove or necessarily improve. Although I advocate for trying to do so to the best you can. But that's why I keep saying to nausea, make sure your day every single day has some form of self-care, some form of joy and pleasure, and some form of rest outside of just sleeping at night. Because that is what makes our lives more stable, more robust, and it actually decreases some of the stress. But yes, your boyfriend is wrong. Sex will not stress you out more. And sex is a beautiful, appropriate way to deal with our emotions and to feel better and have fun and joy and entertainment. It's a form of employment for many people. So you absolutely can. And I want you to advocate for yourself, saying to your boyfriend, hey, it turns out that you can use sex for a multitude of things. And I want to use it after I've had a hard day to soothe my nervous system, to settle myself down, to recenter joy in my life, to get me back in my body, to reconnect me to my body and my emotions. I want to feel closer to you, you say to your partner. It's a beautiful, beautiful, stunning thing. And, you know, we... We, I don't know what people think we should be doing to deal with our emotions and stress. You know, people are very comfortable if you said, oh, I've been doing yoga and meditation for my stress. People are like, oh, we totally get it. Well, food, reading, sex, all these other things are also right brain activities that also involve embodiment and meditation. Again, right brain activities, all of these things are, and all of these things can be ways to center ourselves and to improve our mood 
or to de-escalate stress and conflict. I tell some couples that are high conflict couples, use sex as a way to reconnect and soothe and then have maybe those more difficult conversations. Where we often think in our culture, you can only have sex if everything's feeling great. That is not true. Just like you can sit down while not getting along and have a meal or go for a walk or go grocery shopping, you can also do it with sex. But again, sex is always the special case. Sex is always something that we are especially worried about or have heightened anxiety around, right? And it's like any scenario is one way, but if you use sex and implement it in there, all of a sudden it becomes more questionable. So um, yeah, you got to talk to your boyfriend. Look, we live in a very sex negative, sex phobic culture, so it's understandable. But I would, I'd want you to ask him, what does he think sex is for then? If not for fun and pleasure, what, what for, when, when is the right time then to have it, you know? Um, but again, it's a beautiful tool. It's a way to work with our body and regulate our nervous systems, right? Brain activity. It is literally no different than reading, meditation, prayer, yoga. These are all methods of using your body and your mind, just like sex to regulate ourselves. It's no different. Slide in the DMs is brought to you by our friends at Trojan Condoms because it's a big old sexy world and we want you to explore the confidence. Coming up later in the show, we got Ron Robbins, our pop culture critic, joining us to talk about television we all need to be watching. Uh, and also coming up next, we're going to talk about things to never say to a partner. Why? Because we want to be a positive influence on those around us, not a negative one. So we're leading with love and compassion. Listen to Love Line with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and on radio.com. All right, we're back. Question of the night. It's up on our Loveline IG page, so weigh in on that. And also, I hope you're checking out my live stream show. I'm listening live. That is every Thursday night on all the radio.com handles, YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook. Check it out. It's always an expert and a celebrity talking about the intersections of mental health and COVID. And what I really like about it is it gives the celebrities and experts the ability to talk more honestly about themselves. And the whole purpose of the show is really to destigmatize mental health, talking about it, hearing about it, asking about it, and just really being honest with what's going on with us in COVID, making people feel seen and heard, giving some tips, new perspectives. It's been really powerful for me. Uh, really great people we've had on the show. So again, that's every Thursday night at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. And you can check out all the past episodes on all the radio.com handles. And Loveline, it's always podcasted at wearechannelq.com. So you can go back and listen to past episodes, post them, share them, re-listen, and uh, follow us on our Loveline IG page. We always put a bunch of stuff on there, especially our question of the night. And uh, if you slide in the DMs, you can send me any questions you have about sex, love, dating, relationships, marriage, parenting, bodies. You know, it's all in there. It's all psychological. Um, yep. And coming up next, we've got Ron Robbins joining us, but uh, let's talk about things you should never say to a partner. So again, some things are said that are never forgotten. And that's why you have to be very thoughtful about what we say, especially because you don't really always know what a person's history or trauma might've been. And we can re-trigger things. We can reinforce and strengthen a concept that someone has worked really hard to dismantle or weaken or get rid of. And we want to enter people's lives and leave them better off, make them better. We don't want to be a negative influence. Remember, we don't have to be in relationships, romantic or sexually. We, we do it because we want to, because we want a companion, because we want more beauty brought into our lives, because we want our lives to expand and get bigger, meet more people, do new things, have some in our corner, have some support. That's what the point is. Not to have someone control us, make our lives worse, shrink our lives down, make us feel bad about ourselves, take friends away. And you know what I mean? It's supposed to be an enhancer. We all say things we don't mean. So yes, that is part of being a human being, but 
be aware of what your triggers are because our triggers are for us to learn about ourselves and where our work is, where our wounds are. And we want to be aware of also what maybe triggers our partners and do our best to stay away from that. But yes, be aware of the impact you're having. And if you say something that's problematic, take accountability, acknowledge what you did, apologize and tell them how you're going to be better and then go and be better. Because if you're in a relationship with someone who knows what your weaknesses are and they weaponize them and they are never better and they keep doing the same thing, they're not healthy enough to be in a relationship. And maybe it's time to bounce. Maybe you're just not even compatible. Maybe the chemistry is not there, but whatever it is, let's break down some stuff to say or not say. Name calling, that's the number one thing. You have to fight fair. So calling someone stupid, lazy, whatever it is. Again, your job is not to make someone feel worse or worse off. It's to make them feel better, to enhance them, to empower them. Name calling is a form of emotional abuse. So you wanna make sure when you enter a relationship that you don't start creating the kind of relationship where that becomes normalized or acceptable. So the minute a partner might say or do something, you have to say, I'm gonna stop you, your name calling, and that's never acceptable. Please do not do that again. And if it happens again, call it out. And if again, you, you have to, it's, it's time to leave. This person then becomes emotionally toxic and abusive. And check yourself as well. If you find yourself doing that or you somehow think that's acceptable, you've got work to do around that. You might be toxic or oppressive towards and for someone else, right? Also, we don't, want to, we don't want to pathologize people's emotions. And I see that happening. They'll say, don't feel that way, or you're being dramatic. And that's either a form of gaslighting, or again, it's possibly emotionally abusive. Let people have their experience and their emotions. I want adults to process. I don't want them to vomit on everyone and flood them. But I want people in relationships to be able to be transparent and intimate, which means sharing how they feel and knowing that the partner will be there and hear it and process it with them. Honey, this is what I'm thinking you're feeling. Oh, tell me more about that. Oh, I hear what you're saying. How can I help you with that? You know, or what impact am I having? Weighing in on that. That's very, very, very important. Um, another one is talking about your partner's body, especially negatively. Some people are open to the positive and the compliments. Others feel like that sets an expectation and it traps them. So that you have to really talk to your partner about. Um, ask them, you know, if I'm feeling really attracted or drawn to you, is it okay if I comment on your body or do you want me to give you more vague compliments like I think you're beautiful, blah, blah, blah. But definitely don't make negative comments. Number one, regardless of what you're trying to do, know that shaming someone is not a motivating thing. You're just eating away at their self-esteem. Number two, it's really not your role or appropriate to weigh in on your thoughts about someone else's body. That's their piece, that's their struggle, that's who they are and you enter someone's life and they are how they are and who they are, and that might change, that might not change, but your work is again to be supportive and loving and caring. And if the chemistry's there and the compatibility lean in, learn how to love and work with your partner, but we also have to accept that we're talking about humans and over the course of our lifespan due to illness, medication, aging, and other reasons our bodies might change. Time, energy, I know personally there's been times where my, my body's constantly changing, going in all different directions because of time, energy, and goals I might have for myself in that area or other areas. And I personally am in a relationship with someone who's very much open to the idea that that's not relevant or meaningful. And our connection, our chemistry is built on other things. So we wanna be very thoughtful about what we comment on and how we critique our partner's body, their behavior, their emotions. Because again, the whole, the whole anchor to all of this is really pay attention to the impact you're having on your partner. I see people that overly value this idea of, I tell it like it is, well, I'm just being honest. None of those things make it okay. None of those things are actually ethical or legitimate, loving or rooted in mental health. 
mental health and ethics are again, transparency, truth, honesty, but wrapped up in care and compassion and considering the impact. Is this needing to be said? What impact will this statement have on my partner? Is there another way to say it? Is this actually something that's saying more about myself and I need to work with this on my own, right? So we have work to do, but I hear too many people just really normalizing bad behavior or traumatic statements around. I'm just being honest. I tell it like it is, things like that. So let's just be a little more thoughtful about the impact we're having on others and the impact others are having on ourselves. All right, coming up next, we got Mr. Ron Robbins joining us and they'll be doing question of the night. So still some time to weigh in on that. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, we're back, and we've got our pop culture, uh, Ron Robbins, also Couch Potato. Ron, what is going on in the land of television that's LGBTQIA, feminist or social justice or mental health related that we need to be watching? Because my listeners know that um, I'm, I'm TV, TV uh, ignorant. How are you? You're not ignorant. You're slightly illiterate. There you go. I'm slightly TV illiterate, pop culture I- I want to basically just use this opportunity to express to you and your listeners to take uh, to take advantage of a brilliant show that actually a series that just concluded. So now would be a great time to binge um, and watch the entire season. It's called I May Destroy You and it's on HBO. And if you don't already have HBO slash HBO Max, you could probably get a free trial and just use it for this purpose. Ah, I like that, I like that, I like that. So this, I've heard a lot of people tell me I need to watch this. What, what, how does it intersect with the kinds of things we talk about on Loveline? Well, it basically, you'll, if you hear other interviews or other discussions or read other articles about the show it's very difficult for people to uh sum up in fact the creator michaela cole herself says uh it is a show about everything but you can't just you know she couldn't pitch it that way because that doesn't really express anything and so many would say that this is a show about rape but it's actually a show about consent okay and explores all the different layers and sublayers and sub-sublayers of consent and what she considers the thief of consent. And so it's really interesting because in the first episode, it starts off as, you know, these two fabulous black girls in England and, you know, traveling occasionally through parts of Europe and just kicking and having a good time. But then like, it gets deep, it gets real deep. And, uh, it just explores so much and really uh, details the fine lines of assault and rape and what could be considered assault and rape and what should be considered assault and rape. Okay, so let me ask you a question for listeners. So uh, would you say, I'm a big fan of people watching things that maybe are foreign to them so they can learn about someone else's experience. I'm also a fan of anyone who's in the relational sexual world watching things like this to maybe better understand consent. Would you say, does it carry a trigger warning for people that might be triggered around rape? 100 because there are people out there game so it touches on gay relationships trans relationships straight relationships and different and it basically it centers around our main character and two or three of her closest friends and their involvements um in assault and 
consent related issues. And I promise, especially in the instance of, you know, the gay relationship, um, even in the instance of the hookup situation that became foggy or sort of uh, blurred, I guarantee you that there are listeners of yours out there that may have uh, committed one of these questionable acts without even realizing that they were a thief of consent. I love that concept, a thief of consent. And I, yeah. And I don't want to like, you know, give too many details away, but for example, and it's, there are so many examples. So I want to spoil just one partially, but that being said, I also would dare you to just give me any example of an issue of consent or a blurred line of consent. And I can almost promise it was tackled in this show. But one example would be uh, hypothetically um, someone's out at a club and like dancing with a guy and he goes to get her a drink. And then some other guy shows up and is like, yo, yo, yo. And she's like, you know, having fun, kind of flirting with him. But then the other guy comes back and she's like, yeah, I was with guy A first. And guy B is like, cool, cool, cool. And then magically, coincidentally, crazily, um, you know, they decide to go back to her place and have a three-way. Oh, wow. This is like one of the sub-characters. But later she finds it and she's down. She's totally down. But later the two gentlemen leave and she looks out the window and sees them high five each other and leave together. Got it. So they knew each other. So they knew each other. That was a ploy. Got it. So that's like, okay, I'm down with like a random three-way, but am I down with like a planned organized scheme? Right. Three-way, like absolutely not. Love that though, because there's so much nuance and gray area, and and, for, and I like the use of the word informed consent. Consent can only be given if I've been informed as to what's about to happen, right? And that and she wasn't brought into the full story and scope. There's a couple of consent issues with like condoms. There's a couple of consent issues of taking pictures during sex. There's um, drug-related consent. It's all there, and it's so eye-opening. And I highly encourage everyone and anyone to watch it. Okay. And there are laughs and there are quirky characters. Like it's all there. It's important to tackle this stuff, but I like what you're saying. Just be thoughtful about the mood you're in. And are you ready to enter into this? But yet there's something for everyone to learn. And again, I like the gray areas and the nuances. Those are often the ones that sometimes are the most insidious or the ones we don't necessarily feel empowered calling out. And, you know, like I always say on the show, I want people to leave others better off from having had sex with them or having gone on a date with them, right? Like sex shouldn't be used to harm. Yeah, 100%. And had she never seen those two gentlemen leave and high five each other, she wouldn't know that there was something fishy going on. But that, you know, upon seeing it, that leaves you with a bad taste in your mouth and you feel violated. Yeah. Rightfully so. Why is it that I recognize the creator of the show? Has she done something prior? She has, uh, a lot of people would know her from an uh, she's done a lot of work with BBC, but then BBC has, you know, puts, works out deals with HBO this go around, but her previous BBC, BBC show was on Netflix okay. and it's called Chewing Gum. And it was based on a play that she wrote called Chewing Gum Diaries or Chewing Gum something or other. And then she developed uh, a show, which I think was a comedy. I didn't really, I, didn't, I haven't really seen it. Um, but everything is very, has some personal attachment 
to her true experiences and she did have a sexual assault issue in her past and so this series is sort of an exploration of sort of what happened to her and just all all layers of that Bam! you just sold it to me because a couple people had tried to get me to watch it and i just i was like i don't know but the way you just put it thank you it was beautiful mr ron robbins where can people find you Currently, I'm, I moved from the couch to my bed, so that's like big news, big, big news. Um, usually, I, it's couch during the day, bed at night, so we really, you know, flipped the script today. But you can find me online at Rondaliza underscore Rice on Instagram. Uh, other platforms, it's Ronnie Mark, R-O-N-N-Y-M-A-R-C. All right, and coming up next, we got the question of the night. Still some time to weigh in on that on our Loveline IG page. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, we're back. It's time for question of the night. Tonight's question of the night, what would it take for you to go back to a sporting event or a concert? Oh, man. I know personally it's going to be a while for me. I don't feel comfortable around crowds. You know why? Because I'm watching what everyone's up to. If people were following protocol and they were wearing masks, social distancing, washing their hands, staying home, I might be more trusting when the time is right and the world opens up to go to something, but I don't feel like people are following the rules now. And so when we deem it to be safe, I don't know that I trust and believe that everyone has done what they need to do or will continue to. Uh, we live in a very individualistically selfish culture where people are looking out for themselves only and people that are, look, everyone has a different level of mental health and a different need around that. So I do appreciate some people need higher levels of socialization. Great. Do it via FaceTime, via six feet away, wearing a mask outdoors. No one due to their mental health needs to be at a crowded bar with no mask on leaning on people. They just don't. No one due to their mental health needs to be in a crowd of people at a dance party. They, You don't. That is not a mental health issue. And it's a severe lack of empathy and compassion for the larger world, high-risk people that you might possibly be transmitting um, a, dangerous in, uh, a dangerous infection to. Like, come on, y'all, get it together. So this hurts my soul a little bit. But anyway, question tonight. What would it take for you to go back to a sporting event or a concert? For me, definitely not till next year, at least. And even then, I'm not sure. Definitely my perspective on a lot of things and safety has changed. It's going to evolve, but it's different right now. Someone said free tickets. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It's that simple, huh? doesn't matter what the sporting event or the concert is. If it's free, you're all in. You like, a, you like a good freebie. All right, I see you. Somebody else said for what it would take for them to go back to a sporting event or a concert, no restrictions, no social, excuse me. They said no restrictions, no social distance. I'm ready now. Okay, Karen? I don't know how you're ready now. Somebody else said instant result testing at the entrance with temperature checks. Bam! You kind of sound a little bit like me. I'm with you on that. Although I can't imagine that ever being the case where there's someone at the door of the event giving rapid tests and temperature checks. But maybe that will be what's needed. I know I would need something close to that to be willing to be around that many people in an enclosed space sharing oxygen with hundreds of thousands of people. Seriously, you know, you know how many people have touched what, what's touched? You know how, much, how many people have breathed into that air that we're inhaling around us? Come on, those aerosols go far, especially with everyone dancing and singing and screaming. Concerts, concerts and sporting events are loud, so you, you raise your voice, you project more, and that projection is a stronger exertion and push of those aerosols, right? Think about that when you're singing or you're talking at a loud event. Question of the night, what would it take for you to go back to a sporting event or a concert? Someone said a vaccine. I'm with you on that. We're not sure when that's coming, but I agree. I know. And then the battle of 
the anti-vaxxers versus the vaxxers steps in. But uh, yeah, good old vaccine. I wish it would hurry up and get here. Although, you know, they're, they're fast and furious, faster than anyone's ever been done. Question tonight, what would it take for you to go back to a sporting event or concert? Someone sent a vaccine and herd immunity. Good luck with that. Somebody else said mandatory masks and a vaccine. Yep. I agree. It's going to be a long time before I'm feeling comfortable without people around me wearing masks. I'm falling in love with it. I actually think there's something to it moving forward. You might see Dr. D wearing one out in public moving forward. I don't want even the common cold from someone. And I'm one of those people where I pick up everything, any cold or flu that's going around, I wind up getting. And so you might see me wearing masks forever out in public. Question night, what would it take for you to go back to a sporting event or a concert? Someone said a vaccine. Who knows when that will be? I know, right? So we're not really sure how long we got to hang in there for. Soon, soon. Uh, someone else said social distance with fencing and tables and chairs. I'd prefer that, and it has been done in Europe, so it works. Yeah, I've seen some beautiful examples of people really pulling it all out, keeping everyone apart, setting things outside. We're seeing it here at some restaurants. You know, the way that the table's set out, they're separated, the servers wear masks and visors, you know, that like face shield thing. Um, yeah, yep, it's working a little bit. It's also getting a little too hot out here. There's a little bit of a heat wave in LA, so I'm not a fan of sweating into my food. I'm not a fan of sitting out in the sun and eating, so. That never worked for me. I'm not outdoorsy enough for that. Question of the night, what would it take for you to go back to a sporting event or a concert? Someone said just spaced out chairs would be cool. I know, and that's my question. Is some of these events, I, I'm not sure how in a crowd you keep people separated out or spaced out. Seats get moved. People are in line getting to the seats and also then leaving the seats and leaving the venue, right? So I'm not sure how the lines are being managed for these larger events that I'm seeing in different cities. Because again, remember, every state and city has different protocol going on. It's quite uh, chaotic and, and overwhelming at times seeing it all in different countries, of course, as well. So it's kind of funky out there. Uh, all right. Thanks to those that were vulnerable and participated. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Coming up next, we're going to be sliding into those DMs. Remember, the DMs are always open on our Loveline IG page. Follow us and also put your questions in there. They're always anonymous. They're always confidential. And most likely, if you're wondering about something or struggling with something, someone else is too. So bust on those. And also, Question Night's always up on there too. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, we're back. Now it's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. Sliding into the DMs is brought to you by all my friends. It's a big old sexy We want you to explore the confidence. Do you think COVID sex will ever be safe again? Excuse me. I'm finding myself turning down potential matches and hookups online because I just feel like I'm going to be too anxious if I go over to someone's house or they come over to mine while the pandemic is still going on. You should be anxious. <laughs> it's high risk, you know? So I don't think sex during COVID will ever be as safe as sex pre-COVID or post-COVID. And again, that whole concept of post-COVID, what that means, when we can call it that, that is a whole nother pile of mess to uh, untangle. But it's always about safer sex, right? Because anything involving engagement or touch with another human being is always gonna set us up for the possible transmission of something, the common cold, the common flu. Like 
when we get the flu or the cold, it's from it's spread by someone. We touch a surface they touch or they've coughed on us or whatever it is. And so this is just another piece of that. Remember that STDs, STIs, the cold, flu, these are all part of human interaction. You can get them from a sick baby, you can get them from a roommate, you can get them from a romance partner, a sex partner. So sex is always about what are the safer practices and what level of risk am I willing to set myself up for? Right now, everything's riskier for sure. Having someone's uh, face near yours, having someone's saliva on or near you, their air, their breath, touching surfaces they've touched. So no, it will never be as safe as it was before. We're taking different precautions. We're having to look at it differently. And so I support you in saying, look, if I'm going to be sexual with someone, it's going to be sexual with myself, sex with someone I'm self-isolating with, or someone from a distance on cam, sexting, FaceTime, whatever it is. Do that. Enjoy yourself that way. Yeah, it's not the same as it is in real time. It's not supposed to be. But that's what we're experiencing with everything. Watching a movie at home isn't the same as watching a movie in a theater. Watching a concert online isn't the same as being there. Watching sports online isn't the same as being there. Exercising at home isn't the same as maybe being outdoors or at the gym. That's where we're at. And we have to play within the confines of what's going on culturally right now. And so I'm advising people to not be hooking up. Some people are, are doing it anyway. And I don't really support that because those needs can get met in safer ways that don't possibly you know, spread it beyond the two people involved. Because again, remember, the two people involved are three people or four people or six people might be cool with that risk, but they're spreading it possibly to others, people they're in contact with, people that they live with. So it's bigger than just ourselves. So yeah, it's, it is truly on you, but I support you in delaying it. But no, it's not going to get any different. You know, This is what it's like right now. And we're all having to kind of reorient our lives and it's not at, you know, the level of what's familiar or most comfortable for us, but just kind of how it is. So we're all doing our best. So do your best, uh, keep your feet and your heels dug into the boundaries that you're setting that make most sense to you. Hookup culture can be participated in from a distance in other ways. Um, even just showing up at someone's home from a distance with a mask, watching each other masturbate, whatever it is. There's so many ways we can engage a person without being in their space, close to them, touching them. Uh, the public health department of New York city was talking about, you know, glory holes where we have sex through curtains and holes and all these old school cruisy ways of being. So get creative. There's so many ways to have eroticism with a person that again, does not involve exchanging aerosols from our mouths and having our faces close to each other or even necessarily touching sex is a big term, a big umbrella term that incorporates a lot of different behaviors. So Back out of the idea that it has to involve making out or even penetration. It doesn't. You don't even have to touch each other. Get creative. Remember, it's a big, big, diverse term. And right now the stakes are high. They're too high. I don't think it's worth it. But you have to make that decision for yourself. Sliding the DMs is brought to you by our friends at Trojan Condoms because it's a big old sex world. We want you to explore with confidence. Our question of the night, it's always up on our Love Energy page, so weigh in on that. And I also hope you're checking out my live stream show every Thursday. I'm listening live. It's experts and celebrities talk about the intersections of mental health, what they're up to, and also COVID. It's on all the radio.com handles, and that airs at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. I'm sorry, 5 p.m. Yeah, 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. All the radio.com handles, that is Twitter, uh, Facebook and YouTube. And you can go back, check out the past episodes. And as always, the Love Line is podcasted at wearechannelq.com. We'll be back tomorrow night, 7 p.m. Pacific, 10 p.m. Eastern. Come hang out with us. We've got a great show planned for you tomorrow. As always, um, thanks for hanging out with me, y'all. Have an awesome, awesome night. <laughs>